If you somehow missed the ads for flowers, jewelry, or brunch specials, tomorrow is Mother's Day. Celebrations of mothers and motherhood take place all over the world. Many of these histories can be traced back to ancient festivals. But here in the U.S., we can thank Anna Jarvis of Grafton, West Virginia, for the annual celebration. You might call her the mother of Mother's Day. In 1907, two years after her mom died, Anna held a memorial for her mother. Soon after, she embarked on a campaign for a national Mother's Day to honor mothers living and dead. Anna's hard work paid off in 1914 when then-President Woodrow Wilson officially recognized Mother's Day as a national holiday. Good morning. I'm George Borarki, and this is Cityscape on 90.7 FM and WFUV.org. This morning, we're making Anna Jarvis proud and celebrating moms, including mine. Coming up, I'll be reaching deep into my audio archives to pull out a radio piece I produced about my mother when I was a mere 19 years old. Mom can always make me feel better no matter what's wrong. Whenever I bring a problem home from school, a bad grade or something, I call her up at work and discuss it. Later, when she gets home, she always hands me a little note of encouragement. Although sometimes she can begin to sound like a Hallmark card. My mom is fabulous, fantastic, she's phenomenal and funny. When I hold my hand out, she's inclined to give me love and money. She's my mom, and I love her so. My name is Alexandra Wessel, and I'm from Washington, D.C. I just remember when I was younger, I used to live by the beach. Me and her would just go down to the beach by ourselves. We were able to walk, and just I just remember those particular days when we would walk down, like after I got off the bus from school, were probably some of my favorites. My name is Sean Guffey. The fondest memory I have of my mother actually came after I had moved out of the house, and I was doing laundry and trying to prepare for the next day and trying to grade papers and thinking about... I had to get dinner and I didn't have enough money and all of that. And then I realized, you know, my mother had done all of these things uh, for three children for years and years and years, and I never, ever heard her complain about it at all. My name is James Wayne from Easton, Connecticut. My fondest memory with her is we drove down to Baltimore together and uh, we just, like, listened to a whole bunch of music and sung songs together and and hung out. It It was awesome. Motherhood comes with many rewards, but it can be quite challenging, and sometimes moms find themselves in need of support. That's where Jessica Shapley steps in. She's a licensed social worker, a mother of two, and the director of momsupport.org. Good morning, Jessica. Good morning, George. Now, you are the mother of two girls? Two girls, 18 months apart. One is nine and a half-ish, one is 11-ish. So entering those middle school years. Did motherhood come easy to you when the first one came along? Heck no. (laughs) (laughs) It did not come easily, and that's kind of how the birth of my practice started. I really struggled with postpartum blues and every lactational issue under the sun. And finally, when the clouds parted just slightly so I could go to something other than a pediatrician appointment or a lactation consultant appointment, I started new mother's groups in my neighborhood. And that's when I got the support and the comfort and the normalcy of my experience uh, validated. And that's kind of how I started specifically gearing my practice to new mothers and new families. Did you have a solid support network when you were going through your difficulties initially? Yes and no. Under the best circumstances, new motherhood, new parenthood, but especially new motherhood, is quite isolating. You know, there's a diaspora of families now, and 
there's uh, often daughters and mothers and grandmothers are in different places. My family happened to be in the New York area, but I didn't know anybody that was a new mom. And that's what you crave as a new mom, just being around other mothers, the babies around your age, so you can normalize your experience and talk about spit up if you need to, and talk about all night being awake if you need to. And I didn't have that. So all night awake, huh? <laughs> well, you know, good portion of the night. <laughs> well, and out of that, my sleep consultation practice built, because out of my own lack of sleep, I started studying and practicing guidance around sleep issues. I was talking with a new mom recently, and she said that she and her husband now sleep in the living room, mm -hmm. and they leave their newborn in their bedroom yes. because he sleeps there and allows them to sleep in yes. the living room. This is a New York experience, you know? I mean, all of us one-bedroomers, um, especially, you know, initially your baby's going to be sleeping in your room, whatever that looks like. And then at some point when nobody's getting any sleep anymore, someone's got to move. So what that might look like is it's easier to keep the baby in that space, at least until things are stabilized, and for mom or mom and dad or whatever the composite looks like to move into the other room. Are there other issues that you think New York moms face that suburban moms do not face? We talked about the one-bedroom issue. Yeah. I've raised my kids in the city, and um, I know certainly when they were babies, and they were guaranteed to fall asleep if I put them in a car seat and put them in a car, I often thought, well, this might be the time to, to be in the suburbs because at least I could get a chunk of sleep out of them if we went for a drive, which we weren't going to do in the city. Alternately, in um, Manhattan, everybody's out and about either with their carriers or with their strollers, and often your baby sleeps there. It's a more out-and-about culture, and I think the benefit of raising your child in New York is it isn't as isolating in comparison. You discover things perhaps about your neighborhood and perhaps about your greater community once you have a baby. Give me an example of that. I'll first give you an analogy, and then I'll give you an example. It seems like in my neighborhood in Washington Heights, if you have a baby or if you have a dog, you know a lot about the neighborhoods. You know, you've joined the dog club or you've joined the, the baby club. And I think that's pretty common in a lot of places. So once you've had a baby and you're out with your carrier or you're out with your stroller and you see someone else with a baby out with their carrier, or out with their stroller, you have a connecting point. And uh, certainly in New York City, it's great to feel connected to the person next to you. Information about your support services can be found at momsupport.org. Jessica, yeah. thank you so much for coming in. Thanks, George. That was Jessica Shapley, a licensed social worker, director of momsupport.org, and a mother of two. Raising a kid on your own can be especially tough, but Manhattan resident Linda Grant decided parenting solo was exactly what she wanted to do. She's the founder of nycsinglemom.com. Linda adopted her daughter. They're both with us this morning in the studio. Linda, good morning. Good morning to you. Has anything changed for you since you started this website? Are you still a single mom in New yes, York City? Yes, I am a single mom. I get kidded a lot. What happens if I start dating and get married? And it will be NYC single mom gets married. <laughs> <laughs> or marries. I don't know how it'll evolve, but it probably will. You didn't become a single mom by chance. You chose to become a single mom through adoption. How come? Well, 
I think that you get to a certain point in your life and you sort of realize that you do want to become a mother and Mr. Wright isn't, or Prince Charming isn't there. And I sort of had an epiphany one day when one of my work colleagues announced that she was pregnant, and uh, which was great, but she had literally gotten engaged, married, and had a child in 18 months. And I realized, like, that's just not going to happen. I don't think that I, even if I planned that, it would not work that way. And like I said, I really wanted to be a mom. And so I chose to go the adoption route because that was the the best choice for me. Did anyone try to talk you out of that? No, oddly. I thought there would be some people who would you know, say, oh, I, I can't believe you're doing this on your own. It's going to be really hard. Or some you know, friends who are, I, I don't want to use the word religious, but you know, much more traditional were like, we're on board. What are you talking about? This is fantastic. So no, actually no one talk to me or try to even talk me out of it. They were more about, you know how hard it's going to be, right? I go, yes, I do. <laughs> I have no delusions about motherhood and how easy it is. It's it's hard. It's a lot of work. What, if any, challenges do you think you encounter as a single parent that two-parent households don't face? Well, probably the, the, the biggest one is financial because you're not coming from a two-parent household. I mean, two parent income household. But at the same time, there's also other two parent households who decide that the mom should stay at home. But I mean, that's probably the number one issue. Uh, number two is sort of the lack of um, sort of bouncing ideas and parenting issues off of somebody else because it's just me. Do you have me. someone, though, that you turn to when well, you have those questions? You know, I, I, you know, I have a lot of family and I have a lot of friends. And the one thing about being a parent is that you meet other parents who are in the same position that you are in. And there's a lot of, especially in New York, there's a lot of, um, and the reason why I live here is there's a lot of other single moms or other, other single parent households who are great resources. And everybody's going through the same thing. Just because your child is adopted does not mean they're not going through all the issues that kids go through. They're the same no matter where you are, I think. So you have a strong support yes. network here in New York City. Definitely, definitely. Do you think that in any way you have it better than married moms? The only thing I would say I have it better is, and, and again, it's pros and cons of this, is there's no one saying, you shouldn't be doing that, or I disagree with you, or you're having an argument over X, Y, and Z. You know, th those are the things I don't have any of those arguments, or I think we should be doing this, or why aren't we doing that? I don't have that argument. But also the con is I don't have anybody to bounce those ideas off of and I don't have anybody to discuss that like, you know, late at night or what do you think we should be doing? It's sort of like, oh, I, I got to come up with my own ideas here. So, yeah, I think I think that's probably the only thing that I, I sort of think is sort of, like, you know, pros and cons. What was the adoption process like for you? And was it any more challenging, do you think, because you um, went through it alone? You know what? You could argue that it took longer than probably a two-parent household. But at the same time, I know other two-parent households who waited a long time. I mean, my, I think probably the, and, and I don't even think it was an issue. It's like things happen for a reason, is that I only looked at agencies in New York. It's very competitive here, just like anything else. And it's just a numbers game. And, you know, I waited for two years and then somebody else I know, who was another single mom, actually suggested an agency outside of New York. And I said, OK, I have nothing to lose. And literally three months from the time I put my uh, paperwork in till the day they called me to tell me that my daughter had been born, 
that's that's how long it took. So in the end, it was like two and a half years. But even the process to get to the point where you are, are ready to go is a long process of a lot of paperwork that you have to sort of get together. And you, you just don't realize all the things that are involved in getting all that adoption paperwork together. And I, I, I it's it's interesting. So process. you raised your daughter from the time she was an infant. Yes, 11 days old. And how old is she now? She is eight years old now. What can you tell me about your daughter? She is probably one of the funniest people that I know. <laughs> quite she's goofy. in the studio, by the way, let me point out. And she she's is quite looking goofy. at you. <laughs> and, um, but she's also very independent, very outgoing, very friendly. It's interesting because I am friendly, but I am not that outgoing. And she's the type of person who... It's amazing to me that wherever we go, I mean, when we went on this vacation, we didn't know any other children there, but she is great at just making new friends instantly. She's eight years old, so she gets it. Has she ever questioned your relationship status? Mom, yes. why are you single? Yes, she has done that occasionally. It usually comes up around the, how come I can't have a, another brother or sister, the sibling conversation. Well, have you ever thought of adopting another? I thought of it a while ago, but the one thing about New York, I'm a very practical person. Um, raising a child is pretty costly, and raising one in New York is even costlier. And we live in a one-bedroom apartment. Not that it can't be done, but I, I think that having one child for me was like the perfect choice. Do you date? As a no, mom? I do not. That is not by choice. It's more by laziness than anything. <laughs> <laughs> it is not that I haven't thought about it. And I actually have not. I have written about it on the blog, and readers always ask, "How's that going?" I go, "It's not going." I, I think about it, and I just haven't got to that. I would that imagine place. it's a tough balance. You're a working woman. Yes. You're raising a daughter on your. I own. don't know when it all would fit in. I I I, I know that other single moms do it but i also think that because they are divorced they actually have the every other weekend custody thing so they actually have the time space continuum in there although i have a lot of friends who are more than happy to babysit so i, I really have no excuse what prompted you to start the website nycsinglemom.com oh so here's how i started it is i got laid off from a, a bank during the, the big financial implosion financial market implosion. And one of the things that I wanted to do was sort of supplement my marketing background, which I was a marketing person. And social media was one of those gaps in my resume, Twitter, Facebook, et cetera, et cetera. So I started the website just completely just to learn about all the social networks. And I found that I really liked writing about our life. And I started to meet other bloggers, PR people, marketing folks. Um, and then, and it sort of took off. It, it was completely happenstance. I, I certainly have no delusions that it will make money or I will become famous. Uh, but I, I just like doing it. I've learned that it's, you know, it's a creative outlet for me. How do you two plan to celebrate Mother's Day this year? Oh, that's a good question. I'm hoping my daughter's going to make me breakfast. <laughs> I gave uh, she gave away the surprise. I know. Um, we usually just go out to brunch. It's just a very low key. We hang out with other friends, and I, I I don't think we're going away. How important is that to you, Mother's Day, knowing that you're a now a mom? I yeah. know. Well, you know, it's funny um, because I don't have any 
family that lives here. So in the earlier years, it really was just another day to me because it was like, okay. Um, but I mean, I would hang out with other moms. But as she's gotten older, it has meant more to me because it means more to her. I mean, when she was three, she's like, I don't, it's just another day. And I did, it was like, okay, it's nice to know. I get a card from my family. But now it, it definitely has much more meaning because it has much more meaning for her and that we can actually celebrate it together and do something together. And it's my day. <laughs> it's finally my day. Linda, thank you so much for coming in. Oh, you're welcome. The website is nycsinglemom.com. Thanks again. Thank you. Linda Grant is a single mother by choice right here in New York City. Mom's the word that means love. Oh, mom's the word that means love. Mom's the word that means love. Oh, mom's the word. This is Cityscape on 90.7 FM and WFUV.org. Good morning once again. I'm George Boldarki. This morning, we're getting a jump start on Mother's Day revelry with a show dedicated to moms. My name is Larry in Santiago from Burlingame, California. The best piece of advice my mother ever gave me was that if I were ever to do anything or accomplish anything, I should do it to the best of my ability and not hold back or be distracted. My name is Nora Doherty and I'm from Milton, Massachusetts. A fond memory of my mom actually over Easter break, I started a hat business and she has a pillow business so she helped me paint all the hats for spring weekend. So that was fun. I'm most thankful that She's just always there for me and always willing to support me in anything that I do. My name is Susan Zaid, and I was born and raised in the Bronx. My parents have seven kids, and I'm so grateful for my mother and for the patience that she's had with all of her kids. And she's never yelled, she's never screamed, she's just very kind, and she's funny, and she just enjoys every bit of raising her children. I'm Sister Monica. I'm from County Tipperary. My father died just before Christmas. My mother had a heart attack, and she was not allowed to come downstairs until Christmas Eve. And when she came down, she said, I'm going. I'm going down to church. I want to go to confession. And she had looked around before she went out, and there was no Christmas pudding made for the next day. And she made it that night before she went to bed. Christmas wouldn't be, wouldn't be the same without that. You're tuned to Cityscape. I'm George Boldarki. With Mother's Day tomorrow, this morning's show is all about moms. Caring for a newborn baby is no easy task, and it often leaves little room for hanging out with friends. With that in mind, the group Big City Moms hosts events to get moms out of the house to socialize with other mothers and learn new parenting techniques. I went down to Manhattan's Upper East Side to check out one of Big City Moms' events and learn more about the group's history. Hi, my my name is Leslie Binoker, and I'm the co-founder of Big City Moms. What is Big City Moms exactly? Big City Moms is a social network of, we have about 50,000 members in New York City area, and we do daily events um, for new moms, expectant moms, and the whole family. 50,000 members. Yep, 50,000 members. We've been around for seven and a half years. Uh, we started Big City Moms Gear towards working moms, and from there, just you know, bloomed into a whole business, you know, geared towards you know, just helping moms and families in general all around New York City. How did the idea for this come about? <laughs> um, 
my sister at Risa, who's also the co-founder of Big City Moms, she was, um, she recently just gave, well, back then, seven and a half years ago, gave birth to her daughter, Hallie, and she was working full-time in corporate world. And after her maternity leave, when she went back to work, she um, missed out on all, like, the mommy and me type of things and was kind of feeling a little left out. So we started a whole um, program geared towards working moms. And that's really how it came to be, just, you know, getting, you know, a bunch of, you know, 20, you know, working moms together um, for dinner, and we discussed, you know, what they were going through, um, just different topics um, pertaining to new moms and working moms, and then it just, you know, blossomed from there. Now, you're a mom yourself, right? I am. Um, I have a two-and-a-half-year-old daughter, Samantha, so I started Big City Moms, you know, before I had children. So everyone always joked I was going to be so prepared when the day finally came, and uh, no, <laughs> it's a little different. You, you never, you can never be too prepared, and you really just learn on the job. Did you ever expect that when you launched this seven-some-odd years ago that it would grow to 50,000 members? No, actually. Um, we started this off as like a hobby, or not really as a hobby, not even as a business, really. We were just, you know, looking for, to make that connection between other moms and just kind of have fun with it. And it just, it turned into a business. I mean, a lot of, a lot of companies who are trying to reach the new mom market, they caught onto it and um, they wanted to, they wanted us to introduce their product to the moms. So we kind of take on a different, you know, realm of our business, you know, to do marketing for companies. Um, we do a lot of focus groups for companies because we have sort of built-in network of moms that we speak to on a daily basis. Now your organization again is Big City Moms. How do you think being a mom in New York City is different than being a mom in a suburban or a rural area? There's no better city than New York City. Um, for moms, you have everything at your fingertips. There's really no excuse to, to, you know, to not get out there. I mean, one of the good things about you can be lazy if you want. You get everything delivered to your apartment. You don't have to leave. But you have access to so many amazing places. Um, I mean, such as Big City Moms, we do events every single day of the week to get you out there. Um, there are a ton of classes all around the city. I mean, really, there's everything that you can possibly want is at your fingertips. Today, we're at Kidville on the Upper East Side of Manhattan. What's taking place here today? A lot of moms are filing in with babies. Yes, we are doing um, every week, every Tuesday on the Upper East Side at Kidville, we do a new mom's lunch with uh, different topics. So today's topic is playing with your babies. Um, a lot of moms feel, especially new moms, they have that guilty factor that they put their baby down for a couple of minutes to, you know, maybe catch up on email or do whatever, or even take a shower. And so um, today we're teaching these moms how to play with their babies and make toys out of just the most obvious things. I have a whole big container of different water bottles in my apartment. These are two that I really wanted to share with you guys most because they're most simple. Just a little bit of dish soap, and the babies love this. They'll shake it because it has a lot of weight. They'll shake it because it has the bubbles that go down the side. It's interesting to look at. It's interesting to feel. My name is Emily Friedman, and I'm from here in Manhattan. And who is this in your arms? This is my daughter, Avery. How old is Avery? She's about three months. Is she your first? Yes. How important is it for you to have social interaction like this, to be around other new mothers here in New York City? I think it's really important, otherwise you start to feel isolated if you're at home all day with other babies and getting out and meeting other moms is really a lot of fun and helps you just get through the days. <laughs> My name is Amy Sherman and I'm from the Upper West Side. And who is this in your arms? Leah. Leah, how old is Leah? Leah's three and a half months. What brings you to this event? Um, now that Leah's getting a little bit older, I'm looking for new ideas to play and do different things with her instead of what we've been doing to now, so I'm looking to enhance her playtime.
Hi, my name's Sherry Sokol, um, and I'm, I grew up on Long Island, but I live in Manhattan now. And who is with you today, sleeping, oh, so much like a little angel? Oh, thank you. Her name is Fiona, and she is about 10 weeks old. 10 weeks old. Wow, you are certainly a new mom. This is your first? Yes, this is my first. I like to talk shop with fellow journalists. I guess this is like talking shop, isn't it? Kind of, yeah. Yeah, it's a lot like that. Can you learn a lot from each other? Definitely, definitely. It's not even so much what you learn here, but when you keep in touch with people, you know, as you're chatting with them, you learn a lot that way. My name is Karen Arnett, and I'm from Manhattan. And Karen, who is this in your lap? This is Michael, and he is just about five months old. So how has the last five months been for you? Oh, it's been the most amazing five months ever. I am just absolutely thrilled to spend every day with him. Now, I overheard you talking shop with this new mom over here. What were you talking about? Oh, we were just talking about the different kinds of activities that we do with babies and, you know, how we fill our time with them and, and what they're up to. He just started rolling over, so that's a very exciting time for him. Okay, Leslie, anything else about Big City Moms that you think we should know about? Just check out BigCityMoms.com. We have an amazing event coming up called TheBiggestBabyShower.com. Well, that's our website, TheBiggestBabyShower.com. It's just an amazing event for expectant and new moms, and over 80 companies will be there, and we're giving every attendee gets a stroller. So check out that. Check out BigCityMoms.com. Leslie, thanks so much for your time. Thank you. Take care. Big City Moms is a social director of sorts for moms, moms-to-be, and families here in New York City. For this next segment, I'm reaching deep into my personal audio archives to share with you an audio essay I produced about my own mother when I was in college. It was for a radio production class. I was 19 and had a thick Bronx accent. Trust me, you'll hear it. My mother was 40-something, going on 19. Congratulations from a very proud mother. When I think of my mother, I always hear her words of love. Then I think of the person behind the words. And actually, it's then that I look at other mothers and ask myself, why must I have a teeny bopper mom? A slight bump on her nose is one of the characteristics that make up her beautiful face. I was dropped on my head when I was a baby, is her excuse for this little imperfection. Her eyes are big and brown, they reflect her warm personality. Her skin does not have many wrinkles, and as mom would say, it's this new EB-5 cream I bought. EB-5 is an age-control cream my mother insists is making her look younger by the minute. She's a very petite woman and is always asking me to get things down from the top shelf. Mom tries to be mod, and she is always shopping for the latest fashions. Sometimes this doesn't exactly work out, and she will come home from the store with the most ridiculous outfit. Well, I cannot I help but laugh as my 44-year-old mother well, asks me, how does this look about something that looks like it should be on a 16-year-old? Hearing my laughter, she asks, I don't look fat, do I? When she hit the big 4-0, she went out and got herself a new sports car. Now petite and powerful as it reads on the button on her pocketbook, she goes off to work in her candy apple red Fiero. With the sunroof up and her shades on, she's on her way. Quick, quick, pull it out, echoes through the bathroom as mom discovers the gray hair. No, I am wrong. It is a light reflecting off the blonde highlights. To mention the gray word in my house is forbidden. Beneath this teenager trapped in an older woman's body is truly a remarkable person. Mom can always make me feel better no matter what's wrong. Whenever I bring a problem home from school, a bad grade or something, I call her up at work and discuss it. Later, when she gets home, she always hands me a little note of encouragement. Although sometimes she can begin to sound like a Hallmark card. However, these are the things that make mom mom. These little notes always make me feel better. When I used to work over at the supermarket, 
I would some times have nasty customers. I always came home and told my mother about my day and about these customers. One day I told my mother about a man who was throwing grapes at me because they fell out of the plastic bag. A few days later, grapes were being thrown at me from behind the counter. There was mom with a smile. Can you please keep these grapes in the bag, she said. She's always doing something to make me laugh. When she's washing the chicken for that evening's dinner, Come on, there. what are you doing? Getting that pot and under that water is what I hear coming out of the kitchen. She's always so energetic. When I wake up in the morning and hear singing, I know Mom is blow-drying her hair and ready to start the day. La, 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 la. La, 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 la. That was an audio essay I produced about my mom when I was in college for a radio production class. As unfathomable as it is to me, today I'm about the age my mother was when I produced that piece. And I have to say I wouldn't be where I am if it weren't for Ms. Petite and Powerful herself. Thanks, Mom. And that's it for this week's Cityscape. Remember, if you missed a show, you can always find it in our archives. We're at wfuv.org slash cityscape. Are you a big Cityscape fan? I know you are. Then check us out on Facebook and Twitter. We're listed on both as WFUV's Cityscape. I'm George Bodarki. My thanks to senior producer Andrea McCrary. And I'd like to thank my own mom, who's currently in Lehigh Acres, Florida. Mom, you're the best, and I love you. So I'd like to wish you a happy Mother's Day from here in New York City. And producer, Morlene Chin. Hi, Mom. Here's to two decades of motherhood. Thank you for everything, for always being there for me, for raising me in New York City, and just for being so wonderful. I love you, Mom. Thanks, Morlene, and thank you, Andrea. Have a great Mother's Day. Hey, Mom! Hey, Mom! You're the bomb.